prophet Isaiah. It's a book full of beautiful visions, and several of them have accompanied us this Advent season, as they do many Advent seasons. And today's beautiful Isaiah vision of deserts bursting with life and springing with water, today's vision was written to the Hebrew people in exile. Living far from home, in Babylon, the land of their conquerors and their oppressors. And they literally had a very large desert between where they were in exile and their home. Were they ever to return home, they were going to need to cross a very large, inhospitable desert. So imagine just how comforting it must have been for them to hear that the desert itself would break forth in life. Plants and water aplenty. And that a path, a sacred path, would be revealed through that desert that no one, not even fools, phew, not even fools, could get lost. The covenant will be restored. All obstacles will be removed. The inhospitable desert will burst forth with life. God is coming to save. Hallelujah. And not just a cold and broken hallelujah, a Handel's Messiah hallelujah. Now, I don't need to tell you that we are not a people in exile. Even if many of us feel particularly baffled these days about the country we live in, even if each new headline may cause us to shake our heads and wonder if this is real and where, if anywhere, we belong in this new emerging country of ours, Even so, even with that disorientation that many of us may be experiencing, we are far from a people in actual exile. The text isn't addressed to us. I mean, historically, of course, it's not, right? It's addressed to Hebrew people many thousands of years ago. But even insofar as we draw trajectories, reading the Bible from its context into our own from its intended audience to ourselves, listening for a message from God that defies time and place. Even insofar as we do that, and we do that all the time, and I think we do that well, this text just really doesn't address us or our situation at all. Isaiah's beautiful vision of the hospitable desert much more readily addresses Syrian refugees the world over, experiencing actual exile. Or our indigenous kin, whose land and treaties are completely insecure in exile from their home and ability to have a sense of at-homeness. Or the disproportionate number of queer youth who live on the streets of our cities Many exiles from today, all of the lowly from Mary's revolutionary song who will be lifted up even as the tyrants who caused their exiles will be thrown down. Those are some of the folks who have crossed both literal and metaphorical deserts in ways that nearly or perhaps all of us cannot identify with. These are the rightful inheritors of Isaiah's beautiful vision and God's grand promise. At best, we are ones who overhear. We listen in, or even eavesdrop, which is something I secretly like to do. 
We eavesdrop as today's exiles and today's lowly receive their good news. And that's okay. Have you ever been with a friend who, in the moment of them having received good news, maybe they're on the phone and you can only hear their half of the conversation, and there's a lot of silence, and you're not sure what's being said, and you're trying to read the cues in their faces, and they finally hang up and you say the expectant, well, and then maybe you shriek and hug and dance and hear all the fun details of the good news, overhearing someone else's good news can be pretty great. This past week, I overheard someone else's good news. The Mennonite has been publishing daily Advent reflections written by folks from across the church. And in fact, I'll have one out this week if I actually get it written. And this past week, one of them was written by Martin Navarro, who is a member at Prairie Street Mennonite Church in Elkhart, Indiana. And he wrote this beautiful piece about the Latin American tradition of posada, of reenacting Mary and Joseph looking for shelter. He wrote it from an explicitly Latino perspective, and he appropriately calls Mary and Joseph by their Latin names, evoking the ways in which Latinas and Latinos and the whole of the Latinx community have addressed and understood Maria and Jose and Jesus differently from Anglo-Westerners. They encounter the story differently here different things. And Navarro describes the traditional reenactment of Posada as focusing on the time when Maria and Jose were seeking hospitality after fleeing potential persecution. And he likens the Holy Family's experience with that of immigrants in the U.S. Immigrants in our own time and our own place face exactly what Maria and Jose faced, not being wanted, rejected by society, seen as a problem or inconvenience, not being welcomed or having, as Navarro says, to live your life in the margins of society. Reflecting on this exact Isaiah vision that we heard this morning of the deserts in bloom and springing with water, Navarro in this piece names the longing of his community for springs of water in otherwise inhospitable deserts. But then, turning to the Gospel of Luke and to Maria's revolutionary song, Martin Navarro finds a word of hope for him and for his community. And this is the someone else's good news that I got to overhear this past week. He writes this, in the Gospel of Luke, Maria's song gives us promises of hope. She sings of a world that does not make sense for those in power, but makes complete sense for those on the margins. As I read this song, I hold on to these words of hope and liberation. And then these are some of the words. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones. Lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. It is indeed good news to overhear. Maria's song, a revolutionary mama, 
singing hope and liberation for her people living in occupied Palestine, singing hope and liberation for Martin Navarro's people living in the inhospitable desert of this U.S. American climate. Thanks be to God. I recently encountered a contemporary poetic reflection on this most revolutionary of songs, a reflection that starkly reveals and almost terrifyingly reveals just how much I'm overhearing good news meant primarily for another. A United Methodist pastor from Massachusetts wrote this incendiary magnificat. This is no lullaby. God doesn't just lift the lowly. God brings down the mighty. This is no rising tide lifting all boats. It's typhoon, a redistribution of wealth. This lovely child of Mary, this little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, will tear down our hierarchies, assault our structures of injustice, and upend the world. Greet the divine insurrectionist in the manger. He will not comply. He will reign. He will not be amenable to our economics, our prisons and poverties, or tolerant of our barbaric systems and slaveries. Whether we like it or not, the Holy One will impose the reign of heaven upon us where there is no wealth or poverty, no privilege or caste. To those with power, place, and possession, the letting go will be robbery. And your own place will crumble, your confidence in the world's fairness, though it favor you. From that throne you will be taken. They will react against equality. Evil will defend itself from justice with violence. They will crucify. Still, Gabriel was right. The gentle child will prevail. That this lovely vision comfort you and strip you of all the fear and anger with which you resist it. Whoo, an incendiary magnificat indeed. As we sang last week, this song of our revolutionary mama Maria truly is a song of high revolt. And we who are mighty in the world. We might rightly tremble a bit in our boots. Even if a tumble is in store for me, tumble from power. At the least, that tumble will land me in a place where relationships and systems can be restored to wholeness, can be restored to justice, to shalom. I will be liberated from all that prevents me from fully inhabiting the just and peaceable reign that God is bringing to all of creation. I will be freed into the shalom vision of God. And thanks be to God. If it takes a tumble to get me there, thanks be to God. So rather than fear my coming tumble, I'm going to try my best to rejoice in it, to celebrate what will be released in me and for me in the aftermath of said tumble. (laughs) I'm going to try to remember what our own John Hiscus wrote of this biblical vision of shalom into which we will be freed. John wrote this in a piece you can find online. It's a vision marked not by the absence of forbidden acts, 
but by the presence of healthful ones. Dancing, singing, feasting, inventing, building, resting, all alongside a God who laughs and plays. That's shalom. That's what I'm going to try to remember even as I face a tumble. And all of that takes me back to another piece of Isaiah's beautiful vision. The people of God shall return home, Isaiah prophesies, and come to Zion with singing. And it makes me wonder if the coming home with singing doesn't just mean that the singing is a result of having come home, a response to the relief of having returned home. But maybe the singing is more than just a response to coming home. Maybe the singing actually enables the coming home. Maybe the singing is part of the cause of coming home. Perhaps the singing itself is part of how we come home. It helps us to return home. Home to our truest values and commitments. Home to our deepest and best selves. Home to our inheritance as children of Maria, who who we seek to join our voices to hers in singing all of creation home to the shalom that God dreams for us. Even as we overhear this good news for other, ultimately, the good news is for all. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, sings Isaiah. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And all I can say to that is, may it be so. For you and for me, for the immigrant and the refugee, for the mighty and the lowly, until their good news becomes your good news, becomes my good news, revealing the indiscriminate and irresistible good news of our laughing, singing, playful God, longing to bring all of us into that beautiful, blessed shalom. May it be so. Today, each of you is invited to receive a blessing of water springing up in the desert. There are five of us who will be offering anointing with water this morning, a little bit different than our typical anointing with oil. And you're invited, if you so choose, to come silently or with a word, naming a parched place in your own life. A desert you need to cross. Or a parched place in our collective life. In church, city, or world. A parched place where you long for springs of living water. And so first, 